Boundless Authenticity Podcast, where we discuss everything related to the evolution of human consciousness. This is episode 35, and my guest today is Laura Van Tyne. Laura Van Tyne is a spiritual warrior, psychic medium, remote viewer, speaker, and author. Laura provides solutions for etheric protection, focusing on specific tools and modalities for spiritual protection and raising your frequency to optimize your spiritual health. You can find Laura at thekarmicpath.com. So how's it going, Laura? It is fantastic. Thank you, Jahan. It's great to have you on the Boundless Authenticity podcast. So for the listeners, tell us who you are and what you do. Well, my name is Laura Van Tyne, and I have the karmic path. What I do is I help people who are in a spiritual crisis. And a spiritual crisis can look like many different things. But most of the time, what's happening is there's these unseen energies that impact us that we're trying to break free from. And those unseen energies can be programmings that we've endured in our childhood. It could be just a myriad of different things. Awesome. So you said you have the karmic path. What does that mean? We all are on a karmic path, whether we're aware of it or not, whether we admit to it or not, whether we like it or not, we're all on this path. And karma is simply an opportunity. Karma simply seeks balance. So when we're out of balance, there's tension in our lives. And that's karma trying to help us to get back to maybe where we should be going. And there's so many options and opportunities in our lifetimes that when we're creating actions, we get these reactions. They're a pebble in the pond, those small little ripples, or sometimes people drop in these giant boulders and, you know, you get a big kaplunk splash. So karma is simply an energetic force that seeks balance. And what we don't understand most of the time is that karma can take many lifetimes to rebalance, not just in one lifetime. I hear you on that. So what would you say to people who are in the mindset that they don't want to do or say a particular thing because it'll give them bad karma? Karma is not a punishment. Um, we're, we tend to believe it's a karma, it's a punishment, you know, it's a bitch. It's, you know, I hope, you know, karma is a pay, you know, that payback thing. No, it's just balance. So when people are afraid of that concept of karma, if we look at karma in a more tangible humanistic resource, such as a bank account, we all have a karmic bank account where we add credits, we take out debits, right? And we need to make sure that our karmic bank's accounts are healthy. So what can we do to ensure that our karmic bank accounts are healthy? And that is we need to work on our spiritual aspects of ourselves as well while we're in these human bodies. We're all spiritual beings. We're all having these human experiences. We've heard that phrase over and over and over. But what does that really mean? What is it that we can do to act and react with a sense of wisdom, with a sense of knowingness, with a sense of compassion, and with a sense of opportunity? We're not born equal. Right now, throughout the world, we're to, oh, equality, this and this and this. We're not born equal. If we were all born equal, we'd be robots, right? 
We are born in karma. We are born with the parents and the situation and the location and the time that our soul needs to learn to grow, develop, and hopefully evolve. So we're not born equal. We're just born in karma. Everybody's born with a different set of circumstances based on their soul's history and based on where their soul wants or needs to go. And along the way, we've got a lot of energies and entities that really kind of try to get us off our path. I definitely agree with all of that, um, especially the part about the entities. I don't think that many people are ready to accept that, you know, the thing about reactions, well, to react is just to act in a way that you have before. And it doesn't mean that maybe you acted that way even in this lifetime. So that ties it in with the theory of the karma. And I meet so many people that still believe in the avengeful karma philosophy that, if somebody did something to them and they or they feel hard done in any way that well this person's going to get their karma and that's just not how it works um no it's not yeah so i'd love for you to unpack a little bit more on that concept and then tell us about the spiritual war okay so let's I, i'm going to bring up a little bit about what i do and one of the things i do is i work in the unseen world we live in the third dimension of physicality, time, space, gravity, the tangible words, you know, I can, you know, drink out of my coffee cup. I can, you know, talk to you. That's the third dimension. The fourth dimension is known as the hells limbo, lower astral. This is where people are punished, right? The fifth dimension and above is the heaven world, the heavens, God, source, creator, whatever we want to call it. It's all the same stuff. It's just a semantics issue. So I recently worked on, and ghosts, by the way, live in the fourth dimension. So when I leave my body and I don't go to the higher realms, I'm literally stuck. My soul energy, the energy that animates my body is stuck between heaven and earth. That's a ghost. Okay. A ghost it's just a former human. There's nothing, whatever. It's just a former human. But that soul needs assistance in crossing over. And speaking of karma, I recently worked on a case where a woman called me because she had this baby ghost with her. And it was somewhere in the United States. I think it was like Ohio or so, I don't know where exactly. She had this baby ghost with her. She didn't know what to do about it. So we're working on crossing over the baby ghost. And the baby ghost what died in a horrific manner. It's his parents were drug addicts and they left the baby outside in an outside swing set and it died from exposure. The parents, and it sounds horrible and appalling and it is, but as we're crossing over this baby ghost, the baby ghost literally says, I came to help my parents to choose wisely and they didn't. So this baby ghost is actually an older soul than we may think. And it came here to help its parents learn some lessons, but the parents failed in those lessons. You know, we talk about people who are born in severe poverty, but yet somehow they survived that and they thrived because maybe they 
created an invention that helps with food production. They needed those experiences of extreme poverty, of extreme, you know, malnourishment, so they could have that experience to propel it forward. I had a client that was a drug addict recently also, and he gave up drugs. He's hardcore fentanyl, meth, heroin. I don't know how the guy's still alive. But he gave it up cold turkey because we worked together and he realized through a hypnosis session in his most recent past life, he was a drug dealer. And he was a drug dealer in the Al Capone era, and he sold drugs to the black community in Chicago. His first drug dealer, guess what ethnicity he was? I think I can take a good guess. Right? Okay, so this is karma. So is this, this what people would commonly refer to as a karmic debt? Yes, and he needed the experience. He had the experience of being a drug dealer. So he now needs the experience of what he put all of those people through. So he could understand what they went through, the tortures they he went through because of his past actions and it's simply a balance and he i've this is about a week ago but he has texted me many times and said oh my god i feel so much lighter this makes so much sense the guilt is gone he always had an unexplained guilt as a small child that he could never explain i just he always felt guilty but he didn't know what he was guilty about so this is part of that karmic balance um, and karma can be absolutely amazing too. And back to the question about the spiritual war. This is a big one. We are spiritual beings. We all have a soul within us or most of us do. Good, good to point that out. Okay. And <laughs> this is, these this, times. oh my goodness. Um, And I say this because I've seen this a few times where there's been soulless bodies. There's bodies walking around and something comes into the body and takes the soul and replaces it. Not cool. This is why we want to have our spiritual selves really in a great shape, great health. There is so much in the unseen world that we have no idea about. And it affects us and impacts us all the time. It can be... Um, ghosts it can be black magicians it can be eight grays it can be reptilian it can be anything there's so much in this unseen world and these entities over the course of, mo- of many millennia have been left unchecked We're, we've been told you know enough love and light and sage is going to fix the world okay well how 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 are we doing Right. How are we doing with this? <laughs> Not so good. Uh, I love, you know, that's one of the things that uh, attracted me to uh, getting you on the show. When you sent me that um, video and you were talking about the sage, I started laughing because I say stuff like that all the time. I say it to people, you know, when you burn sage, it's not going to work. The entity literally looks at you on its dimension in whatever carbon copy of the house that you're in. And it's like, oh, Oh, yeah. Some perfume for me. Awesome. Let's get this party started. (laughs) So the dark side has given us humans all of these false tools to make us think that what we're doing is effective, because if we think we're effective, we're not going to search for the real answers. 
And sage is great for ceremonies. It's great in our food, but it doesn't have the spiritual horsepower to do the heavy lifting that many people are having trying to have it do. So let's go back to kind of a physics thing and a history thing. The Christ child was gifted three items, right? Frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Okay. Gold makes sense, right? Gold has a monetary value. Okay, so why was the Christ child gifted tree sap? Because those trees are a high-frequency tree. And so when the Christ child came to this planet, he didn't come here to die on the cross for our sins, for in perpetuity, for billions and billions of people. That makes no sense either, okay? That's just dumb. All right. The Christ, Christ came here to mitigate the effects of the Lucifer rebellion, those dark forces that descended upon this earth. And this is where it all started. So the Christ child needed high frequency substances around him to raise his frequency because he knew he was going to get beaten up down here. We all do. So if frankincense and myrrh and gold are good enough for Christ, they're good enough for me. I use it all the time. And remind me to tell you a story about some nefarious beings and some frankincense in a little bit. Okay. The Luciferic forces, these are the dark energies. This is the spiritual war. So when the Luciferic forces left the light of God, they lost their access to a light source, a food source. And they're like, oh, shit, what do we do now? So they're kind of looking around and like they look at this planet like these humans are of the light. These humans are gods from God, descended upon God. They have God energy within them. Let's cast a net over them so that when they go from the third dimension, we're supposed to go from the third dimension to the fourth dimension as a step up transformer to go to the fifth dimension to go home. So it's kind of like, it's just a step up transformer. So these guys are using the fourth dimension as a step down transformer. So when we leave these bodies, many times these dark forces grab our souls. I call it soul napping. And then they have access to us. When they have access to us, there is no soul healing. There is no soul restoration happening. Only when we go back to source do we get the soul healing and soul restoration that we all need and deserve, no matter how nefarious, no matter how evil a person may be. Sending them back to source after they left their body is what needs to happen to shift the energy of this planet. That was a lot, I know. So they literally are using us as a food supply. This is loose. Yeah, there are a lot of people that will listen to this that are not familiar with that concept. And there's a lot that would be familiar with things like loose. And yet I I think that the average person that I meet, they, they talk about Lush, but they still don't fully understand. And I think maybe the lack of understanding comes from a place where they're not energy healers. They don't do this kind of work. And so it's hard for them to truly grasp the magnitude of what they're talking about. So I wanted to kind of cycle back and have you tell us about how you actually got started. There was an event with your daughter, I believe, that got you started on this. Yes. So... I'm a normal person. I'm a, I'm a Spanish and math teacher. My husband's a business guy. We have three kids. 
And one day, literally, our then six-year-old could see everything in this other dimension. And as a kid, I was psychic. I could see all these things, too. And my parents were like, don't be weird. And it kind of went away. And psychic abilities ebb and flow, come and go. They're never stationary. Nothing is stationary. And so when my daughter started seeing things, I knew I had to do something different. And it's not that I'm criticizing my parents. They did the best they could. But I know based on karma, based on my experiences, I knew better what to do in this case. I knew what she needed. I knew we needed to go a different way. She started seeing all of these different beings and entities and ghosts. And it was a Hollywood nightmare for 10 years where the credits just never seemed to roll. It never ended. And the game changer for me was they got greedy. They literally one night, my daughter comes racing into our bedroom. I can hear the feet running down the hallway and she leaps into bed and she's jumps on me and my husband's sound asleep. And I have my arms around her and I can feel her heartbeat thumping through my arms And then she says, mommy, mommy, the shadow men are in my room. They said that they're going to steal my soul so they can break you. What six-year-old says that? That was the game changer for me. I've definitely got some questions. Um, So there's a kid that I know of, and, and you can tell, you can look in her eyes, you can see that. She has the most beautiful deep blue sea eyes like you, the the entire world would collapse in, in her eyes. And she is clearly very psychically in tune. So she'll say things to her mom, like, uh, mom, I need to tell you something. And, you know, she pull her aside and start talking about a teal furry monster mm-hmm. that she's seen in her room. Or she'll talk about one time she was playing and she's talking about demon babies and, and demons and um so one time something told her about wanting to take her soul or something like that figuring and i can't remember the story but i think there's so many kids out there that are like this especially in these times and they get suppressed so i was just curious you know for my own purposes what is that really all about when kids are saying things like that so for children the veil is thinner and she is obviously very psychic and has a lot of spiritual positive potential about her. So these beings are after her. They're going to try to scare her. And in doing so, there's a lot of things that she and her mom can do. And I'm going to just hand out a bunch of tips right now that people can use because my daughter was not the only one in that boat. Just like you're, you're saying these kids are out there. They're all over the place. A lot of times they're being put on drugs so they don't see things anymore, which is dangerous, but I get it at the same time. Um, That teal colored furry monster thing is a thought form. Thoughts are things. Everything has energy. So that thought form could have been manifested by her or by a dark entity. 
I don't know. But what you can do whenever you have something like a thought form going is just close your eyes and visualize yourself pouring a rain of salt all over that thing or that area. Our minds are more powerful than we ever give them credit for. I agree with if you. you. You can do, everybody can do this and it takes practice. It's a spiritual practice. Doctors have practices. Lawyers have practices. Our souls need practices. This is our soul health we're talking about. So you can, the mom can visualize just that rain of salt going all over the daughter's room, all over the house, and it cleans and clears it on a psychic level. The more you practice, the more you do it the stronger and more effective it becomes. So in that daughter's house, what I would do is I would work on raising the frequency of the house and you do it in layers. It's no different than if you lived in Canada, you don't go outside in your bathing suit. You have layers of clothing on. The concept is the same. Start with salting. You can just, you can visualize yourself pouring salt all over your house. If you, if you makes it easier, visualize your house in the palm of your hand, your home, and just pour salt on it over and over and over. And you can get it through the cracks and the, in the walls and in the plumbing and everywhere. It's just a practice play with it, develop it, find what works for you. Another thing you can do is play high frequency music on your computer, on YouTube, um, I prefer to use Bach or Mozart because they are tried and true. Just because something says it's a high frequency music on YouTube, how do we know it really is? How do we know it's not some type of infiltration? But I, I agree with that. There are a lot of, uh, you know, back in the day, I would listen to those 528 hertz ridiculous things on YouTube. And what I actually discovered is that a lot more things would be attracted to those than, than, uh, you know, if there was just that, you know, if I was meditating to nothing. Yeah. And I started to question that. So I'm definitely there with you on that. And I wanted to ask you why specifically salt? Salt is a, it cleans, it cleanses it. You can disinfect things with it. People use to preserve their food in it. So sodium chloride is what salt is. And, as above, so below. It's a homeopathic concept. If you've ever looked at homeopathy, um, Bach flower remedies, etc. As above, so below. So as we're in this dimension, we can salt in another dimension. We can salt in our mind's eye. It cleans and clears. Also, we go to the ocean because the salt is salt water is purifying, right? We take Epsom salt baths with essential oils because it purifies and cleans and clears. Awesome. So what about concepts like the violet flame? The violet flame, I use that one also. And when I'm working with a client, we tend to clear a lot of heavy duty stuff. Um, We'll bring down the rain of salt. But if you at the same time bring up a violet flame, it transmutes those energies. And if you're not sure what a violet flame looks like, go on you go on Google or whatever and find an image of a violet flame and study it and look at how it can shift. And then you create it for yourself 
out of your heart, out of your intention with what is true to you. I love that. That's actually uh, in line with something that I, I teach my clients with managing their negative thoughts and stuff like that. Yeah. It, because um, it transmutes those thoughts and energies. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that when you're dealing with a lot of negative energy these days, it's best to just put it in a violet flame and let it leave because you never know quite where it goes. And it, No. And when I, when I do work with somebody, um, I really believe and do not litter the ether. Okay. Don't litter the ether. You can bring it into like a hazmat bag. If you wanted to, you can all of that stuff. You got some dog action going there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we move on to anything else, uh, tell me the story about your nefarious beings and the frankincense. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, a little while ago, I'm working on a building and it has a portal on it and you can see it um, from in the video cameras, the security cameras, you can see this portal and it's in another part of the world. And so I went there and I, and it was all these entities are coming out over and over and over. So as I, I had to literally physically come and take care of this to shut the, shut that portal up because they were just really affecting the people. So what happens is I did an experiment. I took a drop of frankincense on my finger and I made a line down and I made a line across. And on those video cameras, you can see it shrink up and go away. It was crazy. That is so interesting. Um, reminds me of a story. Another energy healer told me of once they went to a a place in South America somewhere and they were working on a church that was on a portal as well. And there were these black entities hovering above the the church. And what they were doing is they were siphoning away the energy of everybody that went into that building. They were just above it feeding. That was it a Catholic church. I believe it was. Yeah. That's very, very common in the Catholic churches. I believe you. I think yeah. it was William Tiller that actually measured the vibration of a Catholic church, and it turned out to be lower than anything else out there that we would ordinarily uh, consider to be negative. So <laughs> churches have their purpose. They offer a sense of community. They offer, you know, bringing people together. The Catholic church is the is rife with black magic and... Uh, it's a problem. So the thurbles that they use, the smokers, right? That's dragon's blood resin. And it's very powerful resin. And what they do is they use it to clear the dark entities out of the church before the people come in. Nobody ever questions why they do that. If you have to clear the church to let the people in, that's a sign. 
And I'm also kind of on a mission. This is a personal thing for me. Um, I look at signs and symbols and there are many ascended masters out there. There's Jesus, there's Buddha, there's all kinds of ascended masters and they all have their place. But when we look at the Catholic church, when people walk in, what's the first thing they see? That huge cross of a tortured ascended master hanging in death. What that does is it invokes guilt, blame, and shame on the people that come in. It lowers their vibration. It lowers their frequency. Oh, I'm a sinner. What if we replaced that image of Christ with the powerful one where he's standing with light behind him and his arms are open, palms facing up? How does that lift the spirits of the people? Right. That's true. You know, they would... You know, even subconsciously, even if they didn't get it consciously, because, you know, some of the stuff can be lost on people. But subconsciously, they would open their energy and they would lift their their level of consciousness towards something that's more progressive than just trying to have someone absolve them of these fake sins. Yeah, let's, let's talk about sin for a moment. <laughs> what if we replace the word sin with experience. So when you have a sin, you've done something wrong. I got to go tell somebody about it and that's it. Right? So what if we replace the word, the concept and word of sin with an experience? I had an experience. This was my experience. This is what I learned. Now I can make better decisions down the road. How empowering is that? Very empowering. And I think one, you know, unfortunately, one of the reasons why the concept of church and being absolved of the sins appeals to a lot of people, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them is because they don't know how to heal from anything. They don't know how to critically think, and they are less spiritually aware than a thumbtack. And they need proper guidance to figure this stuff out because the only way that they're going to get on a really quick path to the kind of healing that they really need or, or that rather they deserve is by being taught a lot of information that has to be absorbed over time. And it has just been my observation that the majority of these people who go to church every Sunday or three, four times a week with this mentality, they're looking to feel better and not actually do better. And so that is what feel better without really putting in the hard work. Yeah, and somehow it, that's great for the entities that hang out and feed on everyone. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's very true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and so with that, it's a great time to bring up soul health. You know, thank you. I love this concept of soul health because... We spend our entire lives talking about our financial health, our physical health, our mental health, our emotional health. But what about our soul health? Because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that we ever truly own is our soul. So the more we can work on creating a healthy soul, the stronger we are 
the more we're connected to God, to source. And there's many ways to do it. And I, and I say this with complete love and compassion and admiration for everybody out there. You need to do what rings true for you. What comes from the heart. So one of the easiest ways to start building our spiritual teams, because everybody has a spiritual team, but not all spiritual teams play for the same side. We can build our spiritual teams with intention and discernment. A lot of times people say, oh, yeah, my guide, Michael, whatever. Well, how do you really know that's Michael and not a shapeshifter? Okay. First of all, when you see him or send some salt him. Okay. If he sticks around, that's the real guy. If he goes away, don't think of it as, oh, I failed. Think of it as, oh, I dodged a bullet. All right. So the next thing we can do is we can call upon our angels. Angels are the most underutilized human resource we have. Angels are here to assist humanity. That's their purpose. That's their job. And they can't interfere with us unless we ask. They cannot wait for us. They can't just do work for us without us asking. So, you know, we've been programmed to believe that, oh, well, you know, I'm not worthy of an angel's help or, oh, I'm not, um, my problem's not big enough for an angel's help or, oh, I shouldn't be bugging the angels. Here's the newsflash. They're here to serve us. Angels earn karma too. So if, The angels are just standing around twiddling their thumbs, waiting for the humans to ask them for help. They are not ascending in their spiritual ranks either. So ask the angels for help all the time. You need a good parking spot. Doesn't sound very spiritual, but you know what? You need a good parking spot because you just do. Ask the angels to give you some rock star parking. Absolutely. I mean, just request whatever you want. We get trained out of that having tough time sleeping at night fill their room with an a choir of angels you cannot over utilize angelic support they cannot violate spiritual law they cannot make you love some make me you know someone love me i want you know someone to love me and whatever they can't do that they can't interfere let's say you're applying for a bunch of jobs that you want this particular job. They can't, you know, kick out the other applicants so you get the job, but they can guide you in the interview process to give you the best words. If you're going in for an interview for a job, ask the angels to be with you and present before and during the interview and to help you choose the best words in the interview. This is, these are amazing tools. It really works. Absolutely. I had my I mean, daughter I before I did it before we started talking. <laughs> oh, I do it all the time. Right. Yeah. It, and it makes a difference. <laughs> yeah. You were saying about your daughter though. Oh, okay. So my daughter has, she had a year long concussion. Okay. And she got her driver's license late and she's, you know, really bummed because you know what kid that age doesn't want to drive. And she gets her driver's license, but then she, we also got her a car that she could use, but she's paying for it. And she has her driver's license. She says, mom, that's first Saturday. She goes, I want to go drive myself to go surfing because we're about 10 miles from the Pacific ocean. And okay, great. That sounds great. And, you know, make sure you leave early, get plenty of time. So she's got about two exits on the California freeway, the highway five. 
And the night before I said, you can't go, you can't drive. You're going to get into a car accident and it's not going to be your fault, but you're going to get into a car accident. So you can't go and I'll drive you. Okay. You would have thought world war three erupted in my house because it's like, Oh mom, don't be weird. And my husband's like, Oh, come on, honey, this is ridiculous. You know, she needs to go. And I thought you're right. She does need to go because if I didn't let her go, she would hold it against me forever. But what I did do was I packed her car with angels inside and out. And I gave them instructions, be specific with your angels. I instructed my angels to leave with my daughter. I wanted 200 of them. Just, I want 200 angels to be with my daughter from the moment she gets in the house, in the car to the moment she gets back to the house. She was, she left that morning and not 10 minutes later, she was hit by a drunk driver and we get the phone call. We race over there and the California highway patrol officer says, I don't know how her car didn't spin or flip out, flip over. But what happened was her car neatly parallel parked. It was a small car and she was hit by a really big Ford F-150 or whatever. And she should have spun out. She should have flipped. She didn't. She, she says, mom, it was weird. It was like my car floated and just parked itself. That's the power of angels right there. They did their job. They did what I asked. She she was still in the car accident, but she was safe. So (laughs) just to be petty, did you look at both her and your husband and say, are you listening yet? Thank you. (laughs) No, but I really wanted to. (laughs) I can imagine. I mean, this stuff really works from stuff as as simple and as stupid as uh, wanting a good parking spot. When people have said to me, why would an angel get me a good parking spot? And I, and I just say, can. exactly, like, they're here to help you however they can. You know, that's the least of the things that they can do. But one one time last year, around this time, actually, I was walking to the, the farmer's market, and I had on my swim shorts. So they only have one tiny little pocket at the back. So I stuffed my keys and some money in my back pocket, and I walked. And I got to the farmer's market and was buying my veggies and stuff, and I reached in my back pocket to take the money out to pay and I'd lost a hundred dollar bill. And I was like, Oh man, well this sucks. And instead of panicking, I requested for help. So I, I still had a bit of money in my pocket. So I got my veggies and I walked back home and there it was on the floor, hundred dollar bill. Yep. And this $100 bill could have been ran over by a vehicle. It was right in the middle of the road. Somebody else could have seen it and picked it up because it's a busy road. Lots of foot traffic. It, the rain fell. $100 bill was dry. It should have floated somewhere, right? It should have gone somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been blown away and the rain fell and everything. The $100 bill was dry. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what we can do. And the angels are here for us. And the more we use them, the more they ascend in their ranks and the more it connects us to God and the divine because they are of God, of the divine. Absolutely. So let's talk about soul tribes and communicating with your soul tribe. And uh, I, I like in your book, you have a section on the tools for discernment and protection. 
That's a big deal because we've been taught to blindly accept what comes our way. And in that unseen world, there's a lot of shapeshifters, a lot of imposters. So when we are actively meditating or actively praying, praying is talking to God's source, meditating is listening to God's source in our soul tribe. And when we do these things, we need to discern who or what we're talking to is really who or what we're talking to or communicating with. One of the ways you can do that is with salt. You can pour salt over them. And when I'm working with somebody and I'll bring in my teams um, and I can see them, I have them stand in military formation and I pour salt on them. I'll pour frankincense oil on them, um, myrrh oil, any, you know, it's a visualization technique. And every now and then something just kind of pops off and it doesn't exist anymore because they can't handle that frequency. There's a lot of discernment tools that we can use. And the most powerful one is our psychic ability, our intuition. That is the most profound psychic ability we have. People think seeing dead people is like the, you know, wherewithal of like, you know, psychic abilities. Okay. No, seeing that millions of people see dead people. It's, it's okay. But our intuition, when we learn to trust our intuition and grow and develop those aspects of ourself, we can make wiser choices and we start listening and we start tuning in better. And developing intuition, if, if you're afraid that, oh my gosh, my intuition sucks, right? Um, I have no idea how to even start trusting my intuition, do a simple exercise. Just lay down three cards and uh, like playing cards or three pieces of paper or whatever. And just you look at them and then you shuffle them and you lay them down and just sort of try to guess which one is which. You're not going to be 100% all the time. No one ever is. Doctors are never 100% with their diagnosis. Lawyers are never 100% with their stuff. So we're never going to be 100%. But the more we practice the more accuracy we have. That's just one simple way to trust our intuition. Another way to develop and trust our intuition is when you're in a volatile situation, maybe you're having a spat with your boss or spouse or something, take a minute, step back, take a deep breath, pause, and then react. That half of a second is a lifetime of wise choices. And it's hard to do sometimes because we just want to go after them. But if you take a moment and you step back and you change the way you answer the statement or the way you react, and this is especially true for parents of little kids because little kids are can be very frustrating. Take a moment and so that your child sees you in that position of self-empowerment and is able, you're able to give a wiser, better reaction or action to whatever that event is. Very true. Very true. I teach that technique a lot. It's surprising how many people haven't figured it out on their own. (laughs) I know. And it takes some discipline, but, and self-awareness. And when we're self-aware of our surroundings, we start tuning into what is around us. 
And as we do that, we can say, oh, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with this, or this is great. Um, when we meet somebody, we shake their hands. And as we shake their hands, it's actually an energy exchange. And your subconscious is like, oh, I like this person. Or like, oh, my God, get this person away from me. So that's why we have that handshake. It's an old tradition, but it's an exchange of energy. If the energy of the person you're shaking a hand with, you're not in resonance with, you'll tend to recoil. Or if you are in resonance, it's like you've you know met a long lost friend that you've just met. There's reasons for all of these um, little elements and things that we do as humans. Yeah, definitely. So about building your soul tribe, what are some things that people can do? How many, how many uh, tribe members does the average person have? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. It really depends on the person, on their mission. And our soul tribe, our, our team members change as we go along the way. If when a, when a child is born, they have a spiritual team there, but the spiritual team there in the beginning of this incarnation may not look like the same team as an old, as an 80 year old person, because the team changes as our needs change, as our choices change. If we're in a position where we're doing good deeds and we're being of service, our spiritual team grows. And being of service can be many things. It can be, you know, working behind a, ca- a cashier station at a grocery store and giving somebody a smile who, you know, may be having a rough day. That's spiritual service. That sense of kindness, that sense of compassion, and that little bit of a smile could change that person's day. You never know how our actions echo out. But as we do these actions of kindness and compassion, we start to grow our spiritual team. Starting with the angels is the best way to do this, because as we grow in our angelic realms, other light beings come into play also because again, it's a spiritual hierarchy. There are politics in every dimension, you know, don't think that once I die here, I don't have to say, deal with the word politics again. Think again, there's politics, there's hierarchies, there's structures in these dimensions in the higher realms and even in the lower realms. (laughs) Gosh, damn it. You mean, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So so do you subscribe to the concept that um, we have our spiritual mother and father in other dimensions, like the fifth dimension? I do. um, There's that duality, right? We need the male and female is a completion of a whole. So, we do have many beings that are with us. And for some people, they have a more prominent sense of maybe a female figure or a male figure. And that's okay. Um, it's what maybe these higher realms know we need at that moment. But yeah, we absolutely do. And we have these soul families, these star families that we all come from. And this is a, more of an esoteric concept, but 
these our souls all of these souls come from some place and we come here for those experiences that we need in our soul path and hopefully we learn to evolve because sometimes we de-evolve especially as these dark forces wreak havoc on us unknowingly and we have to break those bonds those bonds that keep us down we have to literally cut those ties and that can be hard yeah i agree with you i see so much of that in my own work and stuff uh and i wanted to ask you a question about what you just said you said sometimes we devolve as a result of dark forces is that what's happening right now do you think that uh, and this is just me being controversial do you think that with everything that's happening right now on the planet, it's because of a plan to counteract the large growth in conscious awareness that the planet has seen over the past decade or so. Do you think that the powers that shouldn't be have seen this and they're like, okay, now we got to deploy this weapon and really pull out the dark forces on this one because they're growing too rapidly. So the dark forces have been left unchecked for many millennia. Again, with even the light side, I don't have they had their heads up their butts or what, but um, <laughs> they, it's like, oh, enough love and light. Well, it's not going to fix it. And they have been ruling this planet for so many millennia and it's been unchecked. There's been no checks and balances. This is why Jesus came here to mitigate the karma of all of this, to tell us that we have it within ourselves. And we've forgotten that we've had it within ourselves because a lot of times those dark forces, they're in charge of the reincarnation cycle. So if somebody reincarnates from the lower astral, they come back here broken they come back with personality disorders, perhaps, or physical anomalies, or they have struggles and they don't come back fortified. And it's not because that person was a bad person. They got caught in the trap. It's no different than, you know, a fisherman scooping up a bunch of fish in a net. It's the same concept. And so when we can afford ourselves the compassion to make sure every soul crosses over, then we start to shift this because we take away their food supply. I have worked with so many people where pieces of their soul is literally taken off of them. And so we talk about, you know, the shamans that bring in soul restoration and stuff like that. That's a real thing. But if you're going to go down that route, do your homework because not all spiritual practitioners are of the light, even though they may say they're of the light. There are so many out there that just um, are dangerous on a good day. (laughs) Do your homework. If you are a homeowner or let's say you own a car and you need to repairs on your car, you need to find a plumber because you have a plumbing issue or you need a new electrician. You ask your friends and family, do you know of a good electrician? You ask your coworkers, you know, do you know of an electrician? And then you call three or four to get a bid. So why do we just automatically assume that a spiritual practitioner is the right one for you? 
Ask your spiritual practitioner questions. Do not commit to money on any of them until you have vetted them, until you have asked them questions so that you're satisfied that you are in good hands, that your soul is in good hands. Because we want to improve ourselves. We want to assist. But let's not be blind and stupid about it. Use that same due diligence you would use to find an electrician and ask around. I agree with you there on that big time. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it, there's such a big emphasis these days on shamanism and stuff like that. And people are rushing off to all different corners of the planet to find one. And they're not doing their homework on this thing all the way no. either. And you know what? Of- I can go to Google and make my own shaman certificate if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. A lot of shamanism is coming from darker um, philosophies and is potentially just an offshoot of Luciferianism. I think that that's one of the dangers of the whole thing that people aren't quite seeing. And it, it, it can be tough because when you talk about the truth, sometimes it sounds negative to foolish people or unaware people. And it can be difficult to just get the point across. Like we don't say these things to be negative. We say these things because we care about where you're going. We care about your direction. We care about you not getting 30% of your soul siphoned away. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I've seen it all the time. People hand themselves off on a silver platter or worse yet, they'll hand their kids off to somebody And we got to do our homework because that's a part of our own soul responsibility. Yeah, I agree with you. So let me bring the the topic of discussion over to the alleged measuring tape virus and the vaccine and how it's pushing people's souls out of their body. Yes. Um, my spiritual team started having conversations with me about that over two years ago. And, you know, you can think, well, I think I heard this or whatever, but what will happen is that um, I am a hypnosis practitioner. And when I'm working with somebody and that's just one of the modalities I do, I'm, I'm not a believer that everybody should do hypnosis, but time and time again, my teams would come through this, person who I'm working with this lovely soul who's seeking help and they come to me and they will tell me that this vaccine is designed to separate the soul from God and how they do it is it creates a glass wall that the glass wall is the only words they could find to tell me what it creates a glass wall between me and my spiritual team and God's source So we think there's a connection, but now all of a sudden the connection is broken. My anxiety is up. I've got all of these other things going on and these vaccines. And I have been, I don't normally say this in public, but I've been working with people that have been vaccinated a lot and I work with them on the etheric level and removing the toxins and poisons and graphene oxide was a thing before it became a thing with me. I mean, I was pulling out these long stringy things out of people's hands and all over their bodies. And what I've noticed with these vaccines is that, and I think now the information is coming to light also. I, so I can say it more so, but 
within the vaccines, there's a dozen different varieties and each different variety of vaccine was, has the potential to cause a different type of harm. Some people have a heart problem. Some people have a blood clot problem. Some people have a lung issue. Some people have anxiety. Some people have nothing wrong with them. But it always happens within a few weeks of getting an injection. And with the second injection especially and the boosters especially, they're following the lot numbers for a reason. And so we need, this is part of our soul health, do your homework. And I don't know about you, Jahan, but I can't tell you how many people who are fully boosted that still get the COVID. I, uh, you know, this is very... So why? This is a very disturbing topic to me. I mean, I knew when I started maybe about five years into my development, I knew that some kind of event was coming. It was transmitted to me to keep the story short. And I kind of ignored it because I was like, you know, I feel like something like that's already happened. Or it, I, start, I started to justify things. I, I was quite naive back then. And I kept having a dream over and over and over and over until I actually sat down and took a good look at the content of the dream. And I thought, okay, I'll journal about this dream and it'll go away. Well, the next night it happened again. <laughs> and I journaled about it again and, and I got more information. And I, I thought, okay, for sure it's going to go away. And the next night it happened again. And it continued not every night after that, but on a weekly basis, a monthly basis at random intervals. And it evolved, and each time it had more information in it. And what I saw was people in their homes, looking out the windows, very unhappy. People were inside their houses arguing. There were beings in the sky that they were being chased by military jets, and the jets were losing. And the beings were looking inside of houses, helping people, uh, beaming the light into their houses and helping some people and other people seem to be paralyzed almost as if they were paralyzed in fear. And so the dream progressed and progressed and progressed. And I kept having the same dream for three years straight until I, uh, I was living in Pennsylvania at the time and I moved back to Barbados where I'm from because I could foresee that something major was going to happen on a global scale. And also it was going to be a huge attack on America specifically. And so I decided to get out along with some other, uh, some other things that I realized I had to do on my journey as well. Some other karmic debt I had to (laughs) pay off. Well, did your spiritual team give you those dreams to get you to move back? I, I definitely think so. And it, it, it was for the better because um, it, it ended up being the thing that I needed to do the work that I felt like I actually was here to do. And so this, back to what I was originally saying, this topic uh, is very disturbing to me because I actually want to see people do better. And I want for figures like 80% of the population are asleep to be untrue. Because who who really gets to say that that's true? Yeah. 
who gives who gives them whoever comes up with these figures the right to say that that's true because i feel like when you say something like that you are projecting onto the world your perception of it and the Mm -hmm. more people that buy into that especially with this non-player characters thing that's all over the internet as long as you buy into that what you're saying is that everybody's below you so they're non-player characters and you are giving yourself the permission to completely discredit another person's journey because you don't like the way that their journey looks. Mm-hmm. Sure, they might be asinine. Sure, there's plenty of people out there that are just... their choice, right? Yeah. yeah. Their choice. And it's a karmic test also. Yeah, because I was just about to say that because there's plenty of people out there that you will meet and you can do all the most badass spiritual stuff and these people will never change the way that they are. And that's for a purpose. And that's not, it's not my job to change anybody. Right. When somebody comes to me vax injured and I help them, it's their choice to come to me or anybody else for that assistance for that vax injury. Um, a lot of my vax injured um, people I've been working with are actually medical practitioners. They had no choice. Um, keep your job or not. And they would get injured and the injuries were many different forms of it. So you can't really bring it back to one thing. It's almost like the concept of voter fraud in the United States. There's many ways to cheat. There's many ways. And it makes it more difficult for us to find these truths at the end of the day, we all have to do what rings true for us. Um, it's not my job to tell somebody what to do or think. It's not their job to tell me what to do or think. We're all on these spiritual journeys. It's getting a little uh, dicey nowadays because it seems like the ante has been upped quite a bit. There's a lot more commotion going on. There's a lot more connectivity also. And, you know, we are looking at, you know, two lies and a truth or two truths and a lie. I don't know. But when it comes to the vaccine, I, my teams, my guides were giving me all of this information about it. And then I didn't want to believe it. Right. I didn't want to believe it. And then it started popping out of my, out of my hypnosis clients mouths and they don't know where I stand on this. And it wasn't part of our interview process when I talked to him. We never talked about a vaccine or anything like that. And it happened several times. It's like, wow. And if anybody has been vaccinated, it's not the end of the world. Do your homework, work on your immune system, become healthy of mind, body, and spirit as best as you can. We all have hard days. We all have dark days. We all have days where it's like, why am I here? Um, and just know that we're not alone in it. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's, that's why, why it's both disturbing and very dear to me because with the subconscious mind, there is so much power. And when you know how to hijack someone's subconscious mind, you can make them act in ways that they ordinarily wouldn't choose for themselves. And And by the way, hypnosis can be very dangerous for that. 
Absolutely. I'm sure you've seen my page. <laughs> Actually, I have not seen that, uh, that aspect of, of your page. Yeah. It can be very dangerous. Yes. I, I, I've made, since this whole pandemic thing, I've made it my business to educate people on what the subconscious mind is, how it works, what it does, how you can tap into it, how we're always mind controlling each other, even conversationally. Mm-hmm. And how we're always under some state of, of mind control from uh, the outside, because that's how they get us. That's how they get innocent people to, to do take, bad the, take the vaccine and do bad things. Like you say, and you know, most people are good. They really are. And a lot of people won't, wouldn't ordinarily do the things that they're doing now if they weren't being projected on by the powers that shouldn't be. And uh, this whole thing with the the virus and souls being pushed out, I, I I keep going over and over this scenario in my mind, like, it's just asking why, you know, for what reason do these uh, these people, these beings, whatever you think they are that are pulling the strings, what reason do they really have to do this? They could do as much evil as they want to without having to do this. Because they can. It's because they can. Um, Most souls are kind and compassionate. We all want, at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We all want, you know, food in our bellies, a roof over our head, and the love of our loved ones. That's universal. And these dark forces are doing what they can to disrupt that because they feed off of those negative energies that we exhibit as we're dealing with fears and traumas and things like that. This is how they feed themselves. We're soul food. So we need to step out of that form of a matrix, for lack of a better word, step out of it, reclaim our own power and say no more and start working on our soul. I recently crossed over a lot of dead and there was a shooting in the United States. I think we all know about it. And all of these children came to my client because she came to me because of another issue, but she was in resonance with those kids because she was a principal too. And as we're crossing them over, I found the shooter the shooter didn't have a human soul in his body. So we wonder how can this kid do this? Well, something hijacked the soul out of his body and took it over. We hear about um, officers who shoot somebody, but they have no recollection of it. Something came in and officers, police, they're the first line of defense for all of us. And They work in a very low frequency field. Let's face it. Okay. When police officers see people on their worst day every single day, it's a low frequency field and it can happen where these entities will kind of hijack them for a moment and have them do something that they don't remember. It happens in every profession. Um, I had a teacher who contacted me because she grabbed a kid by their hair, got fired, but had no recollection of grabbing the kid by the hair, but there was a video of it. Something came over her and she felt horrible, but she really truly didn't remember. This is, you know, so 
we need to work on our soul health so those things don't happen. We shore it up. The best thing we can do is make sure that all souls go home and cross over. And I will, I'll give you, Jahan, um, something that people can take to do just that. Because if you have a loved one who's died and you think that they're sitting at the dinner table with you, they're a ghost, they've not gone home. Well, once we go home to the heaven world, it's a one-way ticket. They don't get to come back for vacations. They don't come over for Christmas. Um, they can work with us from the higher perspective of being crossed over, of being soul restoration with you, that wisdom and guidance to assist us in this mortal life. But it won't happen as a ghost. And so by crossing over the dead, that's one of the biggest first steps every single one of us can do. Yeah, I I agree with you there. Um, I was going to segue into something else, but I got to ask you, I had a friend that was staying with me for a while some time ago, and uh, she was laying on the couch watching something, and um, she jumped up off the couch, and she says, I just saw a white cat running towards me and i was like you saw a white cat and where did it go she said it just started running towards me and then it vanished and i just kind of went uh oh <laughs> and uh you know i i you know so i was using the bathroom i come out drying my hands and oh, as soon as i open the door i see the cat sit, sitting there and it's looking at her and i'd never seen anything like that what do you think that could be? Because when she, I, I should probably add before you ask that it seemed to be bound to her at first. I thought it could have been something in the house mm-hmm. and it wasn't when she traveled back to her home. She messaged me again. And she said, I just saw that white cat again. So animal souls can get stuck between dimensions. Also, it could be one of several things. Um, one, it could be a cat ghost that happens. Um, maybe it was a former pet of hers. Maybe it just found her and liked her and it's sticking around. She can cross over that cat ghost. It could be um, an apparition of some sort where it's watching her to report back to its bosses. Again, political hierarchies. That's what it felt like. Yeah. It could be, um, an apportation, which is, and I've had this happen to me a few times. Um, <laughs> an apport is something that is brought in from another dimension into this dimension. And it's usually an animal. And it will eventually disappear because it doesn't have enough energy behind it to keep it going. Mm-hmm. But most of the times it's going to be like some type of watcher thing because a white cat is, it doesn't seem like it's nefarious. It's kind of cute or whatever. Um, but it will go report back to what's happening. Um, for whatever that is, maybe it's, um, part of her spiritual team. You know, we all have totem animals and things like that as a part of what we come with. So, it's hard to know for sure, but I, from what you're telling me, I feel like it's like a watcher being a watcher entity. 
but I don't know for sure. It definitely felt like that. It was creepy. And I only saw it the one time, but she kept on seeing it. And it seemed to be always when she was just in a very sleepy, relaxed state. Okay. Yeah. So with these negative energies, what they like to do is they like sleep deprivation because it feeds them. And so she didn't get to go to sleep, right? Then she becomes tired. Then she starts making mistakes. So yeah, she can try pouring salt on it. She can request the angels to remove it and to take it back to source. Those are a couple of strategies she could use. If I think, if I think about what this person was going through at the time, she just finished a divorce. It was extremely draining for her. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) there's many types of hauntings. I don't know how much time we have, but there's many types of hauntings. You have all the time you need. Go ahead. All right. The, we talk about ghost stories, the dead people haunting the living people, right? That's common. We got the living haunting the dead people who maybe lost a loved one. They can't let go. Um, We also have the living who haunt the living So could it be her ex's spiritual team is watching her and reporting back? That's a possibility. I've seen that over and over and over. The living haunting the living. And it's the hardest one to deal with because it's so much easier to deal with dead people and ghosts than than living people. The, the ghosts are easy to deal with. The living people are the ones that are harder to deal with. I hear that a hundred percent. So um, it would be cool to unpack that concept about the different types of hauntings. But I feel like there's so many, if you could give a few more. So, all right. So we have the dead who haunt the living, the ghosts come into our dimension. There's an overlay in dimensions where the ghosts come through. We know ghosts exist throughout the history of this planet, regardless of culture, regardless of language, regardless of time. Every culture has words for ghosts. And we know a ghost When we see a ghost or have a ghost story, we know what era they lived in by the type of clothing they wear. So when a person dies, if they don't cross over, they are wearing the clothing that they died in. So newsflash, don't die naked. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, That's the dead haunting the living. The living can haunt the dead, and this can be especially true when a parent loses a child because that's not the natural order of things, and the parent's grief is so great they just can't let their child go. It's not that they're being cruel or vicious. It's just the grief is so great. So that's the living haunting the dead. Then we have the dead haunting the dead. When we're looking at battles, like especially in the World War II all over Europe, when people die in a war battle, they tend not to cross over because they missed the memo. They left their bodies. Their adrenaline is going so high. They don't know they've died, and they keep doing this do loop over and over and over. So that's the dead haunting the dead, and that energy impacts us all the time. So if you're living near an area where there was the war or a battle of some sort, you want to clear your land. You want to find somebody to clear that predecessor energy because energy doesn't have boundaries. It flows. So you want to clear it. 
um, we've got then we've got the dark entities. The dark entities can haunt the dead. The dark entities can also haunt the living. And both impact us. So when we're talking about dark entities haunting the dead, they're torturing the dead loved ones. And that ghost energy, we can sometimes feel it if we're sensitive. The dark entities can also haunt the living to get them to do certain things, to get them to act or react in certain ways. So there's many layers and levels of hauntings. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I wanted to ask you before I let you go about the different, um, you call them the fourth dimensional residents. But tell us about the hat man and those things. What is the hat man? So the hat man is seen all over the world and you can find him in paintings and things all over the place. He's simply this dark figure with like a fedora type of hat and he's observing. There's usually only one of them in a location. And we had one in our house for a long time. His presence to me felt extremely evil and he was always standing in my daughter's bedroom watching everything we did and i didn't know what to do with him in the beginning um and he reports back to what's going on there's what i would call the standard black magician which are these bony skeletal like beings um they tend to have scraggly hair they tend to be long fingers fingernails they also will try, try to control us and do things. We've got the shadow men that my daughter was talking about. They tend to be in groups and they work in groups. They're almost like a hive mentality um, to get things going. You've got, you know, you even we even have these alien species. We hear about the grays and the reptilians. They exist. And those, they exist in this dimension also. So those are other types of beings and they're all not of the light. They fell from the light of God and they impact us all the time. We also have the light beings. We have the angels. We have counselors of divine wisdom. We have all kinds of light beings, you know, Archangel, Michael, Metatron, all of these other beings in these higher realms that we can call upon to help us. If we moved into a house that energetically is not compatible to us, we can call on them to help us. We can do our own homework. We need to clean and clear things on the physical level here, but also on the spiritual level. So while I am asking for the angels and the other higher beings to help us, I still have to do my physical homework. I still have to maybe play the Mozart music or spray um, essential oils in a diffuser because those are very high frequency also. Um, Getting those things to clean and clear the home on the physical level helps the etheric level, the spiritual level, and vice versa. Awesome. So, um, you know, I, I haven't seen the hat man in a long time. I've seen him once myself. 
and then uh when i was living away my mom was going out onto the beach too because we live on the beach she was going out to um get some sand off the beach for some reason it was about 7 30 so it was already dark because it gets pretty dark here early and she sees these eyes staring back at her and she sees a hat she runs inside she calls me up she says you know about this kind of stuff i just saw a man with a hat staring at me <laughs> and i said to her that <laughs> i said to her that sounds like the hat man well she was like well what the hell does that mean and i'm like well I really have a clue. I have yeah. no clue what it means besides he's watching you for some reason. Yeah. And yeah. They're, they're studying and observing the people and they're taking notes. Do you remember the old TV series fringe? Yes. They had a hat man there. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. There was a hat man there. Yep. Yes. And I do believe that series was discontinued because it was giving away a lot of, uh, too much information. There's yeah. a lot of reality in fringe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The same thing happened with that TV show, supernatural. And yes. it took a very strange turn towards God and, and demons because, um, I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but the original episodes were based on a discontinued book series by time life mysteries of the unknown i did not know that yeah and they actually tell you that in one of the episodes um and it's it's coincidentally one of the last episodes before things started to take a really weird turn so interesting they, they clearly I, got a, a a call and said you got to stop that immediately <laughs> interesting i could never watch supernatural because it was too close to my reality uh -huh. <laughs> um, and I was fighting and trying to figure things out because my family's soul was on the line and it was like watching something like supernatural was like homework to me and I just needed a break. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's the same thing for watching X-Files. It felt like, Oh boy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's all I want to ask you about for now. I'm sure you have other things you would love to do, but is it possible that you could do a prayer for us? You know what? I absolutely will. And I'm going to pull it up. This is what I use to assist people in crossing over. And I will tend to hand it out and I'm going to pull it up. Um, it is crossing over of souls prayer. Okay, great. So for anybody listening, if you're driving, please don't close your eyes. <laughs> please <laughs> don't you. do anything silly. Please don't be <laughs> operating heavy machinery. Get comfortable, have a seat, pause this if you have to, and come back to it. We're about to do a prayer. Yes. And, um, it's very powerful. I've had people all over the world, tell me that it worked for them. And this works for um, souls who you may know, friends and family, and even strangers. This is especially powerful if anybody has a loved one who committed suicide as well. Suicide victims never cross over. They are immediately grabbed up by these dark ones. And I don't want to scare people, but take your power back and help your loved one who committed suicide. And this is the way to do it. Almighty God, 
I respectfully request that you take into your loving arms any and all souls who have found their way to me so that they may go home to the heaven world right now. I pray with all of my heart that these lost, lonely, and cold souls receive the love and compassion they need as they enter the light and warmth of your divine love right now. I request that your angelic team wrap these souls in your unconditional love for healing and soul restoration so that they may cross over into the heavens right now. I recognize and understand all souls need and deserve to cross over to the heavens, making no judgment of how they lived or how they died. I hereby request that your angelic team cross over these souls to the light bridge into the heavens right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, source. Thank you, creator, for your assistance in helping me to help these souls to go home to heaven, back to source, to you. In gratitude, amen. Awesome. Love Thank you for that. So thanks for sharing that with us. And Laura, tell us where we can find you. I'm at thekarmicpath.com, K-A-R-M-I-C-P-A-T-H.com. And you can always reach out to me via email, laura at thekarmicpath.com, should you have any questions. And thank you so much for this opportunity. It was a pleasure and a lot of fun. So thank you. Thank you. I saw your, um, I actually was uh, looking for someone else that's a guest on the show on Instagram. And for some reason, it just suggested you and said, maybe you should, maybe you should follow this person. And I saw so much energy in your profile picture. I was like, curiosity, let's go. (laughs) I clicked on it and I was like, yep, (laughs) I have to talk to you. So it's divine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being on the boundless authenticity podcast. Thank you for what you do because it is soul changing. So thank you. Thank you.